0: is Bob Geller, your host. Welcome to PR Done and Dunner. It's that time of year, a great time for New Year's resolutions, and there's no better time for PR folks to resolve to do a better job delivering and proving their value. For that latter part, how do you prove PR value to the bottom line or in the jargon, show attribution? Uh, we have an expert joining us. She is a real Renaissance woman, a noted speaker, author, and entrepreneur, I'd like to welcome Renee Warren of We Wild Women fame to the podcast. Hi, Renee, how are you?
1: Hey, Bob. Thanks so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. Glad you could join us. And um, we're here to talk about PR attribution, as I said at the outset. But first, it's always great for the audience to get a good understanding of who is, you know, who is on the on the show and who is Renee Warren. And it'd be great just to hear your background, the things you're involved with and specifically also also as it relates to PR measurement and attribution.
1: Well, I don't think my history and career is all about PR attribution.
0: I hope not. I wouldn't wouldn't want to talk to you if that's what it was.
1: No. So (laughs) my story is that I've been an entrepreneur for 20-something years. When I was 17 years old, my mom told me to go get a job. And I was like, get a job, but entrepreneurs make a lot of money and they don't work a lot. So let me just start a restaurant. And so it was something my sister and I did for four years. Seasonally, we ran this little restaurant off the shores of a lake in Northern Ontario, Canada, Wow! and it, we essentially paid our way through college with the money that we earned there.
0: It's impressive.
1: Like never a debt in my life.
0: What kind of food? Um,
1: oh, it was like a snack bar restaurant, Okay. but everything was from scratch, like hand dipped pogos, like handmade everything. Wow, And the food was really good I'm sure, <laughs> you know, as far as like deep fried food goes, but no, it was, it was a really well-oiled machine. Um, and definitely something I would actually love to teach my kids how to do someday. Cause it's very lucrative. Um, and then from there I went to college, took business, traveled Australia, did that for a year, came back. And I was like, I've always had this, this dream of get this when I was 18 years old. My dream was—I thought I'd be married with two kids, a dog, and a white picket fence, running a top advertising agency in Manhattan. Really? By the time I was thirty, that was my goal.
0: That was your ambition.
1: Yeah, but you know what? That's—it's that's a great dream, but it wasn't the reality. I eventually achieved all those things in different kind of ways. By the time I was probably like thirty-eight. Um. But it was fun to dream and I've always loved marketing. I've always loved PR, um, social media, inbound marketing, creating content. I love, I'm an artist, so I ran an agency. So I've done communications agency. I started a social media agency and then sold that. And I always wanted to be in the creative space. And in 2013, 2012, 2013, I was eight months pregnant with my first son, Max. And I was doing some contract work with a friend of mine. Her name's Heather. And I was doing social media inbound marketing when inbound marketing was like, content marketing was like the new thing that everybody's doing, infographics and SEO blogging. And she was doing PR for tech companies. And we came together to do projects together. And I remember we went out for lunch. She was having a glass of wine. I was having some water, eight months pregnant. I was like, Heather, dude, we're doing some really great work together. Why don't we start a business? And she's like, you're going to have a baby soon. I don't think this makes any sense. And I was like, oh, babies, they sleep all the time. No worries. (laughs) Little do we know, right? First kid. So learned a lesson. But over the course of six, seven years, we grew it to be a very profitable company. And we worked with funded tech companies from South Africa to San Diego. That's wild. Uh, Won awards, just really loved it. And I think our approach to PR And where we were successful is just how upfront and honest we were when it came to PR measurement and setting client's expectations. Yes. Because you can't measure, you can't put all your eggs in one basket in the sense of you can't measure the success of PR or PR campaign based on one thing that people think is the only thing you can measure. And that is if you get a placement as a feature, I guess on a podcast, morning television, TV, right? There's so many other things that go to create a PR, what I call a PR engine to attribute the success of anything PR related to one outcome is extremely silly. And so for us in working with these tech companies, we'd onboard them and say, what's your goal? Like, what, what is it that you want to achieve? And of course, most of these companies were, their first announcement was like, Raising around. So, hey, we raised a seed round or a series A, whatever it is. So, we did the the funding announcements, which was relatively easy because there are some publications that pretty much publish all of them. them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like TechCrunch at the time was so easy to get on it. Um, And then there was like, okay, well, we, we signed these clients on for six to 12 months. And so, it's like, what else do we have to do in order to leverage what we know can work for them, the talent that we have on our team? our expertise to get them consistent traffic, right? Consistent people talking about their brand, thinking about their brand, buying from them.
0: It wasn't just hits. It was results, business results.
1: It was doing work in house that actually got what we call like movement. As in you're, you're forcing somebody to make a decision to move, whether you're going to read the blog post or they're going to click on the thing. I mean, and we'll talk about all this attribution stuff, but when it came to reporting, they just wanted to know for us, how many pitches did you pitch and how many wins did we get, right? So a win for us was like a yes or an actual like publication or radio or radio interview, whatever it was. And over the course of the, since 2013, I would say my win rate was, is about 18%. And a plus or minus margin of error of like 3% on either end. And so when I go to somebody and they're like, Hey, I'm publishing this book. I want to get on 50 podcasts. Well, I know I have to pitch like 300 and something podcasts in order to get the 50. And it tends to work. <laughs> it tends to work. Right. And then from that, as we know, there's other, there's other things that happen. There's other opportunities where they're like now co-hosting on shows and they're contributing content to other publications, but When it came down to their core goals for signing me on as somebody that helps them with PR, it was, it was that attribution. It's like 50 podcasts. It was clear. And I was like, I don't guarantee anything. And by the way, the company, the PR person that guarantees wins should be slapped on the wrist Um, because there's so much more that's involved. So anyways, all that to say, I was completely burnt out running that agency because It was 11 months after I had my first baby started the agency. We welcomed our second son. (laughs) We had two babies in the same year that I started the agency.
0: The numbers work against you quickly.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it. We stopped that too. (laughs) Um, yeah. And now I'm back at it back at it. It's been like realistically a few months, but it's like riding a bike and smarter, wiser. And I'm seeing the tools change. I'm seeing. PR measurement and attribution change, what actually makes my job easier and selling it too, because now it's like people see there's more to it than just that one win,
0: right? Well, I'm I'm glad you appreciate it. And as you know, I found you through some very nice writing you did for the Crowley, I guess it's called blog.
1: It works.
0: (laughs) And yeah, no, it, it makes sense. I mean, I think we know it. I mean, they say PR kind of delivers outsized results compared to other kinds of marketing vehicles. It's a good investment. But (laughs) saying that and proving it are two different things. Mm -hmm. So, and we know PR people can sometimes shy away from things related to measuring, monitoring, I guess, attribution. And so um, it's something I think we should not be afraid to tackle. I was thinking, by the way, of a bait and switch and calling this podcast free top tier media opportunities because when people hear attribution, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's something that would grab a lot of PR folks are not necessarily understand it, but that's what this is about today. And that's what we're here to explain. Mm-hmm. So right. what do you think? I mean, do you think attitudes about measurement and attribution are changing? Do you think- uh,
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, is- and I think the way that I see it is, I think that from my perspective is, especially like smaller agencies or solo publicists are, have more, I guess, clarity into the work that they're doing but they're also not like, they're not the gatekeepers. So for instance, what our clients loved about us is our media list was called a media list. There's no fancy galley list name, whatever it was, it was a media list. And these are the people we've pitched when we pitch them a timestamp, as well as a link to the actual draft pitch that we use to pitch. Mm-hmm. We pitched Bob, um, January 5th at 1 PM. And here's a link. To the draft of the email pitch. Okay. And then we put into our calendar time as a reminder, follow up with Bob on this day. And oh, here's the draft follow-up email, by the way.
0: Me personally?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, no, no. Like we, we would, we would draft the follow-up email to follow up with you, right? As an example. I love it. And so our clients, because here's what happens is. Nobody ever sticks with the PR agency forever or with, with, we know this. I mean, and for us, it's like, we want these client our clients to succeed. And so they need to have access to kind of our model and how to do it. And guess what is they'll try for a week and they give up because they realize how much time goes into actually doing it well.
0: Is it proprietary technology? Is this commercial system? No,
1: it's literally a Google doc, Google spreadsheet. And we've used the fancy stuff before and it's come down to, and we, we still use like some tools. Um, but for the most part, it was that. And we were just so clear in terms of them having access to all of the stuff. They can go in and they can modify the draft pitch. They can modify the follow-up email saying, Oh no, it was actually 2012 when we founded the company. So they have access to helping us with the content. Wow. Um, so Here's an example. Um my husband's book comes out in a couple of weeks and he worked through a publisher. I'm not going to say any names. Um but they they <laughs> they're they have an in-house PR team that helps with all of these books being published. I'm like, "Oh, this is really cool. I love collaborating with a big corporate company just to see how they work." And I felt like their pitches were very corporatey. That's even a word. It was very stuffy and. Interesting. It it was. It was like, "Mm, okay, but they got some big wins. Do you know what their win rate was? Two point seven percent. Two point seven percent. When I said my average win rate was eighteen.
0: Now we're counting wins as conversions from opening an email or to actually writing. or Actually writing. Actually,
1: so it was either getting the confirmation yes, which is it. They'll for the most part, yes, the thing happens, um, or the actual mention feature interview, whatever it is that we were pitching about. Interesting. And I'm like, Hmm, like it'd be interesting to get the data set around what their win rate was. Like I, like I said, I called the win rate. Um, and so, and they, they pitched almost 300 contacts. And I was like, so I looked at their pitch. I asked for a copy of their pitch and I was like, it was at this point, it was a little bit too late to do any modifications. And I was like, Hey, I don't get it. If this is what they're doing for all of these really famous authors, then it's got to work. And like, you would say, it's it's not.
0: <laughs> well, maybe part of it all is also relying on the author's name. If it's a famous author, you don't have to be creative. You don't have to necessarily. Uh...
1: No, here's where a lot of these publicists fail. It's the failure is in putting all faith into them knowing these people, knowing their contacts, uh, being oh, Bob's a friend. Yeah. So like, they get lazy. Right. But then all of a sudden now Bob becomes so like so popular as a journalist that he gets a hundred pitches a day. And now just because you're friends, your stuff still doesn't get to the top.
0: Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit uh, because we're getting deep into it already. But I mean, maybe we should start out with basics. Define attribution. How is attribution different than measurement for the answer? I mean, I think. If not everyone in our field, let's face it, not most even do a good job of measuring even fewer do attribution yeah. at all, even well, I mean, so let's, let's define some terms.
1: Yeah. So attribution is a measurement of actions that a user takes. Okay. Right. So for us, like attribution is, mm, let's say we do like contributed content for a client. So we always like, we always want to have some sort of movement when we're working with clients, right? So the ups and flows of PRs, like, sometimes there's just no news to share. And for on retainer, it's like, we got to figure something out. And this is where content marketing actually is a great bridge um, in between those moments and during actual pitching. Um, and so attribution could be like a, a, so contributed content is where the link to the company's website is actually linked properly through from the contributed Forbes article right? Cause we know how like SEO and, and Google works is every time a really valuable website links to your website, it increases your Google juice. Of course. Right. Yeah.
0: But is it also so, about, I'm sorry you're saying.
1: So that would be a cons- like um an example of attribution.
0: But doesn't attribution also relate to the contribution to the sales? Uh, of- yeah. yeah,
1: it can be, but here's the thing is if you're working with somebody who doesn't really understand attribution, like maybe some of your clients because they think mm, advertising is a good example, right? It costs a dollar fifty to click through and then they become a thousand dollar client. Well, I mean that those are that's pretty good numbers. <laughs> that's oh, a good yeah. data point, right that's a- um but attribution could be like downloading a piece of content. It could be signing up for a free trial or it could be making a purchase.
0: So anything relating to an action that a user takes or a reader takes to show that they've actually, actually engaged and they're maybe...
1: I believe so. Yeah. And here's why. Um, there could be now, there's a lot of technology that allows you to know if somebody downloaded a free trial or downloaded a piece of content that they eventually become a customer. Like HubSpot will even tell you, oh, they. Found you on Forbes. They came in and then blah blah, blah and they download piece of content. So that contributed piece to Forbes is like that new customer can be attributed to that that contributed right. piece, right? But now you have to define what attribution is. That's, that's the
0: thing. My next question: Are there different kinds of attribution?
1: Totally. There's a ton. There's so many. I actually made a list because I wanted to make sure that I was oh, on point. Perfect. We'd love to hear um, clicks, first touch, last touch, mm-hmm. um, multi-channel social media. Right. Um, let's see what else an attribution would be a lifetime value of a customer. We talk about that in PR.
0: Well, right. oh, it's a beautiful thing. If we could show that, I mean,
1: right? So is, LTV that... what's the lifetime value of a customer. All of a sudden that Forbes article that you contributed now is generating so much traffic to your website. And you've done such a good job on your website to converting those people to a free trial. That eventually goes to your sales team and they get on these sales calls. And the lifetime value of a customer is $20,000. And you get 10 of those. Right. So now yeah. you can attribute that revenue to that one Forbes article.
0: This is proving value, tying it directly back to your investment in PR. And then what the heck, maybe justifying further in investment if not continued
1: 100 like who wouldn't then contribute to business insider or entrepreneur or wherever they can actually get their name into it's becoming increasingly harder to do that
0: now i would imagine yeah that, that's true i would imagine though depending on how we define pr that for example if you throw in content marketing and digital it becomes a little easier to connect those dots rather than mm-hmm. relying on the hope that some earned media article will include a backlink which it doesn't always do right yeah it <laughs> So yeah. I mean that 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 actually has made the job a bit more challenging. I mean, in your article, you talked about links and press releases. So of course you can control links and press releases, mm-hmm. um, but you can't really control that when it goes into an article. So mm-hmm. I guess ha- has it become more challenging? Do you think uh, uh, you know, given that many publications are not including backlinks, or that some, there may be a challenge in Google tracking certain kinds of information because of privacy laws? Does it become more of a challenge to track attribution?
1: Yeah, I mean. Yes, a hundred percent. And that's why you have to use software free or paid for that allows you to track words, right? The first thing I do, which is the first thing that I'm hoping all people in the PR world do when working with the client is you get their keyword list and you create Google alerts for every single one of their keywords. Yes, your inbox gets loaded, but let me tell you, there's ways of creating folders in Gmail that allows you to store those things. So it doesn't flood your inbox. And why? Because you want to know when your client's mentioned, you want to know when there's an opportunity to use that keyword that came up in the news or to get an eye of what the competitor is doing. But it also allows you to use that as a form of measurement, because if you're only tracking links back to your website and they forget to link you in an article, but you've missed the keywords, you've missed the mention of your company's name. Now all of a sudden you can't attribute anything. However, just because there was no link back doesn't mean there's people then going and saying, oh, Renee Warren was mentioned in this article. Let's go find her website and email her and mm-hmm. ask her to be on our podcast.
0: Now that makes makes a lot of sense. So how do we you like, track
1: that, right? That's
0: what, What's
1: that? How do you track that?
0: Good question. How do you, that's, right? I, how do you track that? I mean, there are, I, we talk about, well, keywords, I think of topics. You're aligning with topics that... Hopefully your clients are searching for or are of interest to your clients. And if you're doing, I mean, there's a variety of tools. We use a number of tools. Think of instead of share of voice, share of conversation around certain topics, tracking that and then seeing who's covering it and then going after them. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that. And that, here's that's... the way
1: that I see PR. I mean, it's it's building relationships with the public. But really what you're trying to do is establish credibility and authority, especially in your industry. 100%. So you could think if you like took two seconds or two minutes and you, after this, after this conversation is you go, you make two columns, authority, credibility. What are all the things you can do to create authority or credibility in your space, in your industry? And what are the affinity industries as in like, what are the complementary industries and what are the things you can do there too?
0: Love it. No, that's great. It seems to me though, there must be, well, I guess what we're getting to is maybe practical tips. I mean, how does, first of all, our clients, I'm talking about Fusion PR, and this is a podcast from Fusion PR. We also focus on the tech sector. Our clients are often startups. They don't have vast budgets for enterprise caliber kind of MarTech and PR tech. Um, You know, we do budget for some technology, but I mean, do you need a lot of technology? I don't think you can do it all with spreadsheets, can you? Um, Yeah,
1: you can do a lot with spreadsheets. That's great. (laughs) Well, for instance, probably where you found us, To give them a quick plug, P-R-O-W-L-Y.com. First of all, they have great content. Um, they're a platform that works with publicists. Let's see what their their positioning statement is here. Media relations made simple. Finding relevant media contacts to send eye-catching press releases, to do blah, blah, blah. I think it tracks like open rates, if they opened the email, all that stuff. Which to me, it's like, I don't know, maybe I can ask you the question about this in a moment. Um, but there's so many affordable software out there. Uh, just reach out is another one that's similar to Prowly. it's not as expensive I've used and I love, um, obviously there's like Google alerts. There's following hashtags on social media. I mean, these are like the free cheap versions and you can actually get by and stitching all of this stuff together. Cause there's, there's some forms of measurement too. And I would absolutely love your insight on this as well, that I find very redundant. Or irrelevant? Because here's the thing about measurement is you pump out these reports and this data and you're like, present the data. Here you go. Now people look at it and they're like, now what? What am I supposed to do with this? Right? Exactly. So yeah. So then for me, it's like, what is the most important piece of data that I need to look at to make sure that I'm doing everything that's expected of my client, but what I know they need, what do my clients need to see?
0: A lot of this this gets to KPIs. I mean, we agree at the start of a program or often update it. How are we measuring ourselves? Mm -hmm. And so we do have some measurements in place and those are things you look at typically. Are they the right numbers? I mean, that's something that you can probably debate, but um, certainly it's important to have those yardsticks in place.
1: But there's definitely software out there that does a lot and it's great. But here's the thing is clients can't afford $1,500 a month for Software Most, most,
0: In the no, we don't go back to client. I don't know if you guys, we don't go back to clients. So Oh well, exactly.
1: So- and you hope to have enough clients that the accumulation of these clients can help you pay for this, for the information, but no, there's ways of wow- around it. Right. Like mentioned social mentions brand 24 is one that's affordable too. I think it's like 140 bucks a month where essentially it helps you track mostly social mentions of a company name or any name. Of
0: it. Right. I don't think it's any one tool. I think it's the closed loop approach where, first of all, you need a good mastery of Google Analytics or some other metrics platform mm-hmm. and to see really what is the impact on inbound, what drove the person there, did it result in any kind of thing you can call a conversion, whether it's a micro conversion. Um, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have to involve more than one tool. It really has to be a whole approach no, to-
1: exactly multiple so, tools
0: yeah right so I'm not necessarily easy but it's certainly worth the effort and um you know would you agree that even a small company can at least get started and then oh, yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean here's the thing is there are so many free tools out there and if like sure. for me an affordable tool is less than 200 bucks a month as long as you don't have 18 of them and you don't need to have every single person on your team using these tools. Quite frankly, you should have one person who understands numbers, who understands Google analytics, that's creating these reports for you. Again, oh. it's like, if you're if you're the artist in terms of crafting the pitch, doing the pitch, you have your contacts, you're doing the outreach, that's your zone of genius. You're wasting your time trying to create these reports if you don't even know how to read them. How can you present on something you don't understand?
0: Well, I think it involves, uh, or you know, it, a commitment commitment to understanding it, rolling up your sleeves. If you don't have that skill set, hopefully somebody on your team does, or you can hire somebody. But your commitment to really, first of all, appreciating the point importance of it, and then making it happen. And I'd imagine, you know, the first time you try it, it might not be perfect. Maybe it's more of a back of the envelope calculation. But as you implement more systems and improve the process, you will only get better at attribution. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, I have a couple of other questions. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to share specifically on the topic. of. Oh, I know one of the questions. How does attribution compare to measurement? How is that different?
1: Right. So attribution is, from my perspective, is when you identify a thing that is considered like a positive positive input or a positive input for your campaign. So it could be the click on a contributed piece. It could be... Um, cooking on their website, right? So somebody comes to your website now, all of a sudden they've cookied. <laughs> um, so whatever you define as like a positive input measurement is like measurement for the sake of measuring. It's like, if you're going to go measure this door, just to know how big it is, what are you going to do with that information? Well, nothing, cause I'm not replacing the door. So why am I measuring? So you can measure whatever you want. It's how you interpret the data. That's important.
0: So it's not either or. I mean, does measurement work with attribution or is it 100% two different?
1: I think it's something gets smarter over time, right? Like my win rate. I wouldn't know that my win rate was 18% if I hadn't been doing this forever. I worked with two clients in my life and I said, oh yeah, I have a 60% win rate. Well, I'm like, those are decent odds, but I guarantee you the more people I work with, the lower that's going to become. Yeah. And so it's something that gets smarter over time. And a perfect example is if you're measuring... For instance, how much traffic you get based on your contributed content and based on certain publications, you say, oh, wow, okay, I've been contributing all of these pieces to these publications, but really only Forbes and Insider are the one that actually have anything relevant. Then you know, over time, those are the only things you need to focus on.
0: And how do you track, I know you mentioned in your article, something about UTM, like links yeah. in in your releases or I guess yeah, your content so you- generally.
1: Yeah. You can actually, you can create that for free. Essentially. It's just like, um, like almost like a line of code. If you want to explain that goes to to websites, if you click on, for instance, if you click on a blog post and they say, you know, we may make money because they're affiliates. We may make money if you buy something from this website. Well, look at the, where you, where the URL is and then click on the button, right? And all of a sudden the URL is going to do all these funky things and different letters and numbers are going to show up. You'll see the, you'll see UTM and then it might direct you to a new page. Essentially what happens is now going to that page, that page now knows that you came from that other page. If you didn't do that, you wouldn't know.
0: That is attribution. You're attributing exactly. that visitor to that link, to that piece of content, to that PR activity. Yeah. So that's I mean, the- it's
1: huge in advertising, but let me tell you, public relations to me is the queen of all marketing. Everything else comes below it. It's marketing. Um, advertising brand, like branding, all that stuff to me comes below PR PR is like the queen of it all.
0: And it's good to be queen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just Please let me adjust my crown.
0: <laughs> so I wanted to ask you if there's anything else you'd like to share with our audience, um, things you're involved with. I know you have a podcast. Mm-hmm. We, while want to share, um,
1: go ahead. I want to share a case study that I yes. love talking oh, I... about this one case study. Okay. Please, so- please. We only ever had one corporate client the whole time I had my PR agency, and as opposed
0: to what celebrities, as opposed to no, startups, tech startups. Yeah, so we had
1: one corporate client. They were called Renters Warehouse, which was America's second largest property management company. And I haven't checked in in a while; I don't know where they are. Um, But in the time, (laughs) we were hired to help obviously get the word out about the company, but really position the um, founder as a credible authority in the space because okay. part of part of what we were tasked to do was to essentially help him sell his company, and so this is when we started doing traditional PR, creating press releases and pitches based on really cool things that were happening in the organization. But one of the angles that we landed on so this guy named Brendan, twenty seven years old, essentially is
0: this a CEO the or who who is Brendan?
1: He he was the CEO founder of the company. Got it. Got it. Oh, he didn't found the company. I think he bought the company. I can't remember the story because this was oh, years it's ago. It's impressive anyway, for 27
0: years old. I mean, that's okay. Right.
1: Exactly. So our angle was how to retire at 27.
0: I love it. People are <laughs> like, well, I want to retire at 27.
1: What is this? Tell me about it. And that's what we use to pitch everything. And it took us, we worked with them for the better part of like five years. We helped them with social media. We helped them with content. So content marketing. So All of this so that the messaging, the positioning was all consistent across all of these channels. Because that's where people go wrong, right? It's not consistent. So we made sure the branding, the messaging, everything was consistent. we wrote an article a week for him, whether it was the way it worked is we would contribute it on Entrepreneur Forbes, Business Insider, whatever, whoever didn't pick up the article, we would put on his LinkedIn page. So he was getting traffic everywhere. I like just boosting him, boosting him. Nice. Luck. And timing is PR, right? That's like, that's PR, lock and timing. So
0: some hard work and creativity too. Well, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) With all this, though, we were creating this traffic, this buzz, increasing the Google juice on his website. We got one article that was picked up by Yahoo Finance. That just went crazy. And then Fox News picked it up and that went crazy. Broke their website.
0: What was the secret behind it? Was it like a great... I don't know. Was like, it big news? Was it just a creative angle or what was it?
1: Timing, luck, the angle, retiring at 27.
0: Nice.
1: It was like, I can't remember the exact, the exact headline was, but it was like what people wanted at that moment. Okay. Then all of a sudden that was like the big hook. We're like, Holy crap. We're getting all of this. We estimate that they garnered $450,000 in the 48 hours that that article was just going crazy.
0: As far as business goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that that's attribution.
1: Uh-huh. And I'm more like, where's the money? We want that money too. Then we use that as the huge anchor to pitch the Steve Harvey show of which yeah. he got a full, full feature on the Steve Harvey show. Wow, He was a guest on the show.
0: So was there eventually an exit? Was he able to sell?
1: Yeah. he. I think he ended up selling the majority of the company. He still had some ownership in it. I don't know if he like completed that sale, but yeah, he eventually was just like, he's done. They Brought in another CEO and was running the company, and he was kind of out. But why I love this example, and I have many others, is that we know the uh, the attribution of revenue to that article, and it was like one article. But how do you know
0: there wasn't other marketing or advertising working uh, alongside? They weren't.
1: They didn't do any online advertising, and we were we worked with their company closely with the marketing team. Okay. Um but Google analytics, everything was saying that, but it's a great question because everything else helped. Sure. Right. If you had like Jane Doe or John Smith, who's never accomplished anything in their life or never talked about what they've accomplished. And all of a sudden there's an article about retiring at 27. People be like, I don't know. Who's this guy, right? Who is this girl? But because we had created so much momentum in terms of the content we've created, the pitching, all this stuff over the course of years, this just wasn't, was an easy thing that just blew up.
0: Well, that sounds like an extremely successful program and a great example. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so what do I want you're... to
1: leave with the audience?
0: Yeah, please. I mean, well, it first is... of all, you haven't really told us you have a great sign behind you.
1: Thank you. I love you. it. The neon
0: we wild women, mm-hmm. um, interesting name. What could you, is that your agency or what is.
1: Yeah. So it stands for we being a collective. Wild being unapologetically ourselves and women being as what we identify as.
0: It's not the typical PR agency name. I mean, I like, I really well, like
1: it. It didn't start. It, <laughs> it started as, the, as a coaching business. And I wanted something that was a little bit different.
0: That's great. So you're happy and, with where you are and you're hopefully growing it. And uh,
1: love, I love it. It's that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I look, so I published a book too called get covered, how to craft pitch and tell your startup story to get more customers. Um I still contribute content. I find that being in PR, you're an artist. Identify as an artist. Um, if you ever done the book, the artist way, Julia Cameron. Yes, I'm familiar with that. Incredible exercise. Everybody should do it. No. Yeah. That Um, sounds great
0: That That's a good reference.
1: Yeah. And I just, so I work with female led businesses that need to um, create a bigger impact. You want more amplification for their brand, for their voice.
0: And what's the name of your podcast?
1: into the wild
0: check that out as well so (laughs) first i want to thank you for coming on our podcast and sharing your insight and i'll tell the audience that we will leave links in the description to the article i read because that's more information about attribution and to your podcast and how to find renee and thank you for coming on pr done and donor great speaking with you
1: thanks bob it was so much fun and i love the name of your of your show it's awesome